You are listening to a live message from Gold Street Garden Church with Dr. Dominic Butler. We are thrilled to have you join us for today's message. Our prayer is that you would see Jesus clearer than ever before and your desire to know him personally would increase in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about the church, you can go to goldstreetgarden.com. Well, tonight is definitely going to be a different night. Are you excited? Yeah. Uh, Evangelist Yana Paul is going to be joined. I just wanted to say, just on her behalf, she has traveled to 34 countries, including Syria. <laughs> so, and just so you know, that is, that is not a place you want to go unless you've heard from the Lord, for sure. So that, we'll leave it at that. But she has ministered and oh, she has seen over 60,000 decisions for Christ under her ministry. Isn't that amazing what God has done? So, and I know her heart that she loves Jesus and that she is going to awake something in us all tonight. And we are so honored to have her. So without further ado, I'll shut my mouth. Thank you, Pastor Dalman, Pastor uh, Jackie. It is, oh my gosh. I'm going to try to contain myself. <sighs> Hi, guys. <laughs> Man, it's been over a month that I have stood in front of a bunch of people to minister face-to-face. I'm telling you, if you're born to do something and people tell you you're not supposed to do that right now, that's not okay. So anything can happen today and will. I am telling you, I should have worn waterproof mascara, but whatever happens, happens. Nothing matters. But, uh, it, you know, I hope you brought some time. There's no curfew. They removed that, so that's good. Um, <laughs> we don't know how long we're going to be here. But, man, it, yeah, I'm so excited. I'm really going to try to preach. I have this message. I, I rarely ever preach it in a church. I have shared this with um, RBI 2 last year in the Bible school. I don't even share it with first-year students because um, this, this is a place I went and um, something that happened to me personally. And it's, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit, you know, flows and uh, everything goes together. Because as Pastor Dom was finishing the message with how Jesus already went to the cross in prayer um, before he ever went there physically. And then right before the service, I was just praying, you know, and what dropped in my spirit was, have you come to a point of no return? And that's what it's really going to be. <laughs> I hope you're ready for this because uh, <laughs> this is not one of those like, you know, Sunday morning church messages or whatever. And it's not a Sunday morning and it's not normal time in the world. Nothing's normal right now. <laughs> God is doing something. You know, I'm telling you. So every believer has to come to the point of no return. And have you gone there? you know, in your spirit? Have you cried out to the Lord? Because I'm going to take you to a place where I've been and where my heart broke all over again. But I never gotten there physically before I went there in my spirit, in my personal time with the Lord, crying out. And I remember Pastor Dom asking me, you know, what my prayer life looks like, you know, and I go places in my heart. I like, and my, I go places. I'm, I see myself there. I see the people. I see the faces. I see what needs to happen. I see the need and it already breaks my heart before I ever get there. And then I'm there. 
And that's where the Lord shows up. And so the question is, have you been in the fire? Have you gone there? Have you cried out? Because I'm going to talk about this. You know, it's not just an encounter. It's not just a touch from God. But when you are baptized in the fire of God, there is no recovering from that. There is. Ever thrown something in the fire? You don't get it back out. It just reminds me of my favorite movie. And I know this is like shocking to some people. It's a super girly movie. But um, it's, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll say some fun things later because it's going to get very heavy later on, you know. So we're starting light. And then I'm going to just, you know, bring it down on you. But uh, in this movie, it's called Ever After, right? And this girl has like her prized possession. Everybody knows that movie. It's a Cinderella movie, basically, but like more epic. And so her most prized possessions is, is a book, the last book that her father read her. And then her other prized possession was the, the glass shoes of her mother, you know. And then her sister like grabs both things and runs to the fire. And she's like... Beware of what you say right now because she's going to throw that book in the fire and then she can never recover it. Once it's in the fire, it's, it's done. So now she had the choice, you know, does she want the shoes of her mother or the book of her father, you know? And then ultimately she lost both, but whatever. She gets a prince in the end, so it's all good. You know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, just side note. But ultimately, when you go through the fire, there is things in your life that will die for good. And there is, there is things that you think are good that need to die. There's plans you've made. There's things you want to do. There's things you, you know, imagine yourself doing goals, visions or whatever. If it's not from God, it just has to go. It has to burn. And the fire is what really makes things clear. Fire purifies. Fire burns everything away that is not from God. And it's not comfortable. It's not one of those nice things where like you know let's just soak in the presence you know and whatever and i'm like what does that even mean where is that and and the disciples were soaking and I, I don't know i don't see it but i do see um fire happening i do see holy ghost happening i do see people risking their lives i see people forsaking everything going after the things of god people that want nothing else but the will of god people that have encountered christ and made that decision, I will sacrifice anything and everyone, whatever the cost. I'm going to follow that Jesus. I'm going to show him that what he's done for me is not a waste in my life. That what he's done for me, that I'm thankful for that, that I'm grateful for that. And just like Pastor Dom said, I mean, I've been reading the word lately and it's just like, man, Jesus is just another level. And now it's really like coming out, like who are the Christians that are really like Christ? They're really like him. Because people that are bashing the president for saying we're going to, the churches need to be full. And then Christians going on there, church is not a building. It's not about going to a building, bashing. I'm like, really? It's not about going to a building. We know that. But it is about a body of believers. It is about coming together, being knit together in love and Christ loved the church and the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost came they were in one accord in one place that is a Greek word that shows up only in the New Testament and that cannot be replaced by an online service over a screen I'm sorry that's just not gonna happen and people that are satisfied with that that actually prefer that are not on fire I'll throw that out there 
So to say that it's becoming evident who is marked by the fire and who's not. And it's not about judging people. But Christ said himself, you're either hot or cold. There is no middle ground. And this is the time, you know, when that is becoming very evident and Christ is coming back soon. If, if you never had an urgency in your spirit and you still don't have it, you need to wake up. They preach he's coming back soon 2,000 years ago. I mean, this is the time, you know, what a time to be alive. I'm telling you, yeah, it's a testing time. It's a trying time. But that's the thing. Like, if you're already tested and tried by fire, then something like COVID-19 doesn't really matter much, you know? It's just... There is like this, some sort of uncertainty there, but you already know that even when you're uncertain, you can be sure of the word of God. You can be sure of the call of God. You can be sure that God already knew all of this stuff and he had a plan for you and he has things for you to do. It's not like God was like, oh man, I didn't know you all been going to be quarantined and can't go to church. So let me like rethink this thing. If you have your Bible, go with me to Acts chapter 16 before I keep on going here and just, you know, introduction. You know who my pastor is. It just rubs off a little bit. I'm going to take you to a place where I have physically been. And as I said, like, that's that's the kind of stuff where the, the fire of God and nothing else will take you. Not just some, like, I, I desire to go to missions. Great. A lot of people do. And then they go feed some people and hand out socks and never actually preach the gospel. You know, I, I am teaching missions two right now in Bible school and missions one. So it's like all of this, you know. Thanks guys for coming out. I miss your faces, all the Bible school students in the house. That just shows me that even though my tests really suck, but you come to my service, you must love me. I mean, there's no other explanation for it. The love of God is in you. You might get extra credit. You know, just <laughs> Do you find Acts chapter 16? We're going to start in verse 16. One day as we were going down, I'm going to read in the New Living. One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, a place of prayer, okay, we, <laughs> we met, <laughs> a little bit passionate about this, we met a demon-possessed slave girl. She was a fortune teller who earned a lot of money for her masters. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated. Another translation says greatly annoyed. It's very spiritual to get annoyed. I think Paul was a very spiritual guy and he got greatly annoyed with that lady. So that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her and instantly it left her. And one of the things, you know, that is really lacking is that believers are not casting out demons nowadays anymore. And right now there's a demon called fear grabbing a hold of masses of people. And it's our job to cast that thing out. And I'm telling you, anywhere you go, you don't have to be an evangelist or a pastor to do this. I was getting, you know, right before most businesses were getting shut down, I was getting a facial. And this lady... You know, she obviously have like an hour to talk now, you know, and sh so she asked me what I do. And I told her, you know, I'm an evangelist, you know, and then the whole conversation started. She's like, I'm Catholic. I believe in God. I think everybody should believe in God. You know, he's real. And I asked her, does she know for sure she would go to heaven if she died? And she said no. And so I, I lead her into the prayer at the end, you know, of my treatment. You know, I sit up on this table <laughs> and, I, you know, I just lead her in a prayer and she like grabs both my hands 
And, you know, I'm praying and the power of God hit this lady. The joy of the Lord came on. I didn't even talk about joy. She starts laughing. She's all bundled over. And, you know, she, she looks at me and she's like, I never felt this before. What is going on? I'm like, that's the Holy Ghost. And that was, you know, she's like, I feel like something went out of me. That's literally what she said. And I said, that was fear because she said, please pray for my family. They're in France, you know, with the virus. I'm so afraid. And that's what people are going through right now. And you have the power on the inside of you to cast that stuff out. You know, we need to start walking in the power of the Holy Spirit more than ever before. And right now, people are ripe for the harvest, man. I am telling you, I was downtown just having pictures taken. And this black guy was there. And I walk up to him. And I ask him the first question. Has anyone ever told you God loves you? It's a wonderful plan for life. And he said, yeah, you know what? I really need prayer. He didn't even listen to anything else I'd say. It's like, I really need prayer. And he's like, buying his head. I was like, all right, I'll pray for you. This is kept over everything. And, you know, he gave his life to the Lord, like rededicated. And, you know, and, and that's what's happening right now. You know, people need Christ like more than ever before. Like, yeah, people are freaked out, but don't let that, you know, make you draw back. Like, this is the time to preach. This is the time to minister to people. And so we see here an example of discernment. The woman... Notice the woman didn't say, you know, these are false prophets. That would sound like a demon, obviously. But this woman didn't sound like a demon. She actually said the truth. These are men of God showing you the way of salvation. That's the absolute truth. And so you need to be aware of the fact that there's going to be people walking around and they say the right thing on the outside and they act the right way on the outside and they're full of the devil on the inside. And the spirit of truth is the spirit that confesses Christ as Lord and Savior that does not draw back, that is not ashamed of the things of God. And now more than ever, we need to be full of the truth. We need to be full of the spirit of truth that is the Holy Spirit. And you can be filled more than one time, praise God, with the Holy Ghost. Filled to overflowing over and over, rolling on the floor. Amen. When you're full of the Holy Ghost and power, you don't need anybody to advertise for you. She's walking around like, these are the men of God. These are the men of God. When you have the Holy, you don't need anybody shouting. This is a man or woman of God. You don't need anybody confirming anything. The Holy Ghost is going to confirm your words with signs and wonders and miracles following. That's what I read in my Bible. And God working with them, confirming the word with signs and wonders, not confirming the word with people shouting that you are really a preacher. You don't need anybody to confirm. You need the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. You need to know what God is calling you to do. This woman was not a follower of Christ, obviously, we know because it said here very clearly that she was full of the devil. But when she was saying that, she was drawing attention to herself and her gift and not the Lord. And that's when you know when somebody is not giving the glory to God, when somebody is in it for something else, when somebody wants the praise of men and the approval of men or the offerings. That's when you know when people's hearts are in the wrong place. And that's another thing Pastor Dom said that I was like, man, he's like, right on everything you know it's about your heart it's about your heart are you truly fully in love with christ to the point of no return and that is something that the world doesn't understand at this point because they love a person one day and then the next day they're not oh we fell out of love you don't fall in love and you don't fall out of love that's not in the bible it doesn't say that and jesus fell in love with his disciples or with the church he never fell in love he made a decision i'm going to pay a price and prove that love with my blood So that there is no doubt about it. You know, if someone's heart is not right when they're not dead to themselves. This woman was not dead to herself. She was drawing attention to herself. When you die to yourself, you truly serve God. That's when you know. When you're not afraid 
of dying to everything, dying to what people think, dying to what people say, dying to what people expect of you, dying to your own plans, dying to your own will, dying to your own desires. Yeah, everybody says that God will give you the desires of your heart. How about you die to all of that and make sure that your desires are of God in the first place? There's a lot of things that you can desire that sound good, but they might be good, but maybe not right now. There's right time for everything. Don't say the right thing in front of people, but then on the inside, you're not sold out, leading people away from God rather than to God. 19, but when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city. They teach customs that are not lawful for us being Romans to receive or observe. It's amazing to me how the word of God always stays relevant. Because right now people say that what we're doing is unlawful. Right now people are saying that we are the troublemakers. That we are putting people's lives at risk by coming together. That we don't care about the community. That's what they're saying. These people exceedingly trouble our city just because we go to church. Yeah, I'm going to trouble you. I love this. I mean, I preached this years ago and there was no COVID-19. And now it's like, man, this sounds like today. We need to start troubling cities. It's not like church being quiet and withdrawing. That's That was never our job. That's how you know you're in the right place, doing the right thing. We need to trouble some people. We need to start troubling cities. Man, <laughs> Jesus, I can't wait to lay hands on everybody. We're going to clear out all the chairs and it's, I'm telling you, I'm buzzing over here. I'm just like, I want to jump over some chairs and stuff. <laughs> That's why I wore pants today and not, I was like, I'm going to like wear a dress. I'm going to church and I'm like, no, pants. It's going to be pants. It's going to be revival. Yeah, man. You know, the more the coming of Christ comes closer, the more the world's going to get irritated at what we're doing. It's not going to get less. It's going to get more. And people that don't rise up now, they will not rise up later. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> I love your church. <laughs> Fantastic people. <laughs> Then the multitude arose together against them and the magistrate tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. This is when you know people have issues, man. <laughs> that's like not normal. And that's, I'm telling you, it's the same stuff that manifests today. You know, people hearing that we have church and then we have bomb threats and people shooting at the building. Like, what's the point of shooting at a building? I feel greater. I put a bullet hole in the church. It's, it's the same spirit. It's the same spirit that is manifesting today. It's exactly the same. I'm telling you. And when they laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. House arrest. <laughs> I'm telling you, I was going over this message today and I was like, wait a second. This is like complete new meaning to me right now. But at midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to the Lord. And the prisoners were listening to them. Check this out. People are constantly watching you. And actually the, the message, uh, the title of my message is A Cloud of Witnesses. And we're going to get there. People are constantly watching you. People are watching the church right now. And what the church is doing. And the interesting thing is it doesn't say that they pray to God to deliver them or get them out. 
They didn't ask God, get us out of prison. They didn't ask God to do that. They just sang hymns and worshiped him. I mean, if you ever don't know what to do, you just worship the Lord. You know, I understand like as a believer, like you can't be bored at any point. Like, what are you doing? You know, I was believing God nine years to get baptized in the Holy Spirit to be able to pray in tongues because I didn't understand that you, you actually have to open your mouth. God doesn't open your mouth for you. It took me nine years to realize that. So there's hope for anybody. But, I, you know, I prayed all the time. I was like, Lord, if you give me this gift, like, I mean, that's, that's holy. That's precious. That was purchased for us, not just our salvation, but that the Holy Ghost will come and baptize you so that you can pray in a language you don't understand and pray the perfect will of God. And then Christians get bored and watch Netflix for hours where I'm like, you could pray in tongues. You know, it's like, I don't know what to do. Pray in tongues. Put on some worship. Dance a little bit. You know, or a lot. Like, command yourself. You know, whatever you need to do. Like, whatever you need to do. There's, there's no reason to be bored as a believer. And so these guys, they were in prison, arrested, can't get out. Kind of feels like that. You know, obviously now we're opening up, but like for weeks, you know, it's been like, man, like all these restrictions and can't do the normal life and you can't, you know, and there's always something for you to do. There's always a reason and you can either make the most out of it or you can complain and ask God, get me out, get me out, you know, and that's not what they did. They worshiped the Lord. They knew they, they didn't do anything wrong. It wasn't on them. You know, you could not question your whole faith. Like, why did we get thrown into prison? We didn't do anything wrong. We don't deserve this, blah, blah, blah. None of that stuff. When you know you're serving the Lord, no matter in what tight place you find yourself, no matter in what situation you find yourself, and these kind of things are going to happen again. This is the first one of many, and it's going to get worse because that's what Jesus said. It's going to get worse before he comes back. And so if you couldn't handle yourself this time, you know, get, press in. Press in so that next time you will thrive. And next time you know nothing can hold you back and nothing can stop you. Nothing can steal your joy. You are more than an overcomer. Yeah, things are uncertain. It doesn't matter. God already knew that. He holds your life in his hands. And there is no waste of time when you are in the will of God, knowing that this is what God wants you to do. This is where he wants you to be. And what a time to be alive. They prayed and they worshiped. Are you only praising the Lord when times are good? Or are you actually an example of somebody who cannot be robbed of anything? No one can steal your freedom, even if they give your house arrest. No one can. We are free. Christ has set us free. They can throw me in a cell. And they threw my pastor in a cell. <laughs> but let me tell you, he didn't lose his freedom for one second. He slept, actually, in the prison cell. He fell asleep. Pastor Ronnie did. Like Jesus fell asleep in the boat in the middle of a storm. You know. I look at my pastor and I'm just getting more revelation about what it means to be like Christ. You know, it's just unbelievable. And then suddenly, verse 26. There was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill. Sorry, I switched to New King James Version. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm for we are all here. 
you know, and it's, it's awesome. I teach the same thing in Bible school, like read the thing word for word. Like don't read sentence for sentence, like read the Bible word. For, I literally look up every single word in Greek, Hebrew, everything. Like I want to know what, what is all in this, you know? And this is one of those stories that we just read and then we keep reading. We're doing like a daily Bible reading. Hopefully you're doing daily Bible reading, you know, and we like read over it and then we just check it off. Okay. I read two, three chapters today. And, but look at this. This makes absolutely no sense. First of all, they were beaten, they were bleeding, they were in pain. They were not just, you know, walked into prison in a red carpet. They, they got beaten before this. We read that. They were literally in physical pain. And I have not been in physical pain for a long time until Saturday. And I was in extreme physical pain for two days. So I'm like, relate right now. I'm like, man. When you're in physical pain, it's much harder to be in the spirit. It is just, you know, in the natural, we are natural being and you have to take authority over your physical body and get in the spirit, you know, and tune all that stuff out. So they were literally in physical pain and they decided to worship the Lord and then the earth shakes. Okay. And so like a normal earthquake um, does not make prison doors open or chains fall off of you. So that's kind of like an interesting earthquake happening. Another thing is that not only their chains were loosed and their prison door opened, but all of them. And in that prison, there was real criminals in there. So one thing that makes absolutely no sense is that Paul and Silas didn't run. Because let me tell you, if I was in a prison and, you know, I worship and then there's a crazy earthquake and like my chains fall off. I mean, I just picture all of this stuff. You know, your chains fall off. The door opens. First thing you do, you run. You get out of that joint. But they didn't. And then secondly, what is also very strange is that now all the criminals, all their doors are open, all their chains are off. And then you would think they would run now. But Paul actually said here, we're all here. It makes no sense. This is like the weirdest thing. So I love the Bible. It's like, what the heck? I mean, really read it and think about it. You know, this, the, this is like one of the deepest things I'll teach you today. Read the Bible and think about it. It will change your life. Seriously. It's life changing. Then he called for a light and ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved, you and your household. And then he spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he said, Food before them. And he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Now, when you get to a place that might not be comfortable, it might not be nice, it might make no sense why you're there, you might be struggling there, you might be in pain, don't be quick to run. There's people right now that we need to pull out. We need to pull them out of fear, out of darkness, out of uncertainty, out of sickness, out of disease. Literally, the book of Jude says, pull them out of the fire in verse 23. Having mercy on them, pulling them out of the fire. So you have to go in the fire to put people out of the fire. And man, I'm thinking about, this is a Roman soldier who was the enemy, right? The, Roman, the Romans, like, they, they beat them. They were the ones that put them into prison. Like the sheriff put my pastor into prison. And then the Lord did something. And that same sheriff called him. 
and then he sat and had a meal. And God, I'm telling you, must have done a miracle in that man. This is the stuff. This is Book of Acts. I'm telling you. And it's funny because, like, I was praying literally in staff prayer on Friday before my pastor got arrested. And I felt that in my spirit because I'm like, this is really a time where we can get arrested for going to church. Literally. It was so, like, wild. And I was praying and I was like, Lord, I believe that the same thing that happened in the book of Acts, earthquakes, angels walking them out of prison, that that's the kind of stuff that's going to start taking place once again. That we will get arrested and we're going to get walked out of prison by angels. We're going to worship the Lord in the prison. The thing's going to shake and the doors are going to open. I mean, that's either you believe the word or you don't believe the word. This is the stuff, you know, and I was like, and I was praying. I was like, Lord, if my pastor gets arrested, an angel is going to walk him out of that prison. And the funny thing is, you know, Pastor Rodney always says the only angel he's ever seen is Pastor Donica. And Pastor Donica bailed him out and walked him out of prison. And I was like, man, this is the stuff. I'm telling you, this is the time and the hour. <laughs> the same people that will treat you like criminals will come and fall before your feet if you worship God in the darkest hour because they are watching you. And I promise you that when they were worshiping in that prison, the presence of God came in there and they didn't want to run from it. The presence of God came in. And even though the prison doors opened, all those criminals were like, we're not going anywhere because these guys got something because we feel something because they're different. Because everybody else is complaining. Everybody else would curse God. And they don't. You're either hot or you're cold. You're hot or you're cold. If they were not thrown into prison, then that man and their family would have not gotten saved. The question is, how far are you willing to go? Are you willing to go to a point of no return? Will you go to the hardest places to bring other people out? And again, that's a place where you need to go on the inside of you. And you need to start stirring that up on the inside of you. Never complain. Never be offended. Don't allow confusion. Why am I here? Why is this happening? Don't allow any confusion. Look for opportunity. There is always an opportunity. There's always something you can do. There's always a way to glorify God. There's always a way to lift him high. There's always a way to do what God has called us to do. We should never be able to be stopped. We know the Bible says in Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord, to those who are called according to his purpose. No matter if everything else goes to crap. And let me tell you, I have my share of things going to crap all over. Family things, all kinds of things, I promise you. But ultimately, this is what you can stand on. It does not matter what's going on in the natural. God will turn it around because you love him and he loves you. And it does not matter how dark it gets because he is the light and you are the light. And the darker things get, the higher you will rise. There is no way the enemy can bring you down. There is no way. If you hold on to the Lord, if you hold on to his word, if you say, I don't need anything but the word of God. I don't need anything but the power of the Holy Spirit. If everybody else forsakes you, it does not matter. All you need is the Lord. And let me tell you, in a room full of people, you're not by yourself. You have pastors, you have friends, you have family, you have people standing with you. Nobody here is alone. That is a lie of the enemy. 
there's a body of Christ rising up. I mean, I'm so glad there's a church that's still been meeting, even though everybody is demonizing you for it. We're a different kind of people. And that's the kind of church that Christ is going to come back for. I am telling you. And then this thing happened to me. So this happened in Greece, in the city of Philippi. And I believe it was in 2016 that I was invited to come and minister in Thessalonica, Greece, um, at a youth group. And they found the River Istanbul Church, which is a sister church of the river. Um, And I was invited to preach at the youth conference there in Turkey. And they found their Instagram account and they posted about the young people falling out under the power, crying, weeping, laughing. And they have seen Dr. Rodney on the internet and all of that stuff, you know, and they were just this hungry youth group from Greece. And they contacted the youth pastor in Istanbul and they asked if they could join. So they literally got on a bus and drove 10 hours from Greece to Turkey to join for that youth camp. And the funny thing is, and I said, you know, never get offended, never, you know, take things personal. I was the third person they asked to preach. Like they asked two guys first, and then they asked me because the guys couldn't do it. I was God's original plan anyway, so, you know, it doesn't matter. (laughs) And so these guys, like 15 young people that have never experienced the fire of God, came down to this youth camp, and I had them for like five days straight. And let me tell you, they got trashed. This one guy, I mean, he could not get off the floor the entire night. And he had to be carried to his bed. And, uh, you know, it's just precious. You know, the fire of God is just the same everywhere. And so that youth leader, she invited me to come to Greece. She's like, let me know when you can come and minister in our church. We want everybody to learn how to win souls, how to go out on the streets, you know. And I did not realize that um, Philippi, was like a short drive from Thessalonica. And so um, she organized on my day off um, just a little trip, you know, down to Philippi. And, you know, it's Greece, so you have like the leftover like pillars and stuff like that, what you see in pictures, you know, just like, you know, everything leveled and some pillars standing around. And so they take me there, and it's a, a Christian site. Now, this is the first place where Christianity was preached in Europe. And I grew up in Europe. That's my turf. You know, I grew up there. This is the people that I know, the religion that I know, the mentality that I know. And somebody paid the price with stripes and with blood, bringing the gospel message to Europe. And they paved the way for Christianity to come into Europe, you know, with literally with with their blood. And so I'm walking through Philippi where Christianity came to Europe this historical archaeological site and there's leftovers of what they say what the first church building was you know like a tiny little and you just see the leftover of the walls and stuff like that and we went to the prison of Paul and Silas the leftovers are still there and Philippi is very small so they're like pretty much 100% sure that that's where that prison was and, like, I'm not a singer, but, like, uh, the youth leader, she's the worship leader, you know. So I was like, Melina, you just need to start singing right now because that's the prison of Paul and Silas where they were. And that's what they did. So we're going to do that. <laughs> we're going to, like, stand, like, right by this prison. And uh, we're going to sing. And it's on my Instagram. You know, you can follow me, Yana Pauls with a J. And I was, like, taken aback. I'm like, 
this is this is a real place. Like I'm physically really there. And I'm picturing Paul and Silas in that prison cell, bleeding, beaten, worshiping the Lord, you know, and we're just singing, worshiping the Lord at the same spot. And I'm just like overwhelmed. And then, you know, we keep on going and there's a museum literally like right next to it. Like if the prison is here, the museum would be like at the entrance right there, a stone throw, right? So we go in there and it was a Tuesday morning. So it was completely empty and only the, the lady at the cashier selling the tickets, you know, the entry tickets was there. And I'm going through this museum and I'm reading. I, I love reading all the stuff on the walls. Like I want to know what I'm looking at. You know, it's like pieces of rocks and stuff like that. I'm like, what is this? You know, so I read everything. And on the wall, it was talking about this year, whatever it was, AD, you know, whatever, 60 something AD. I don't know. Don't remember. I'm not good with numbers. But all I know is that it was talking about a physical earthquake that happened in Philippi that was recorded in history that literally really happened. And that was not like a Bible museum. It was a history museum. And so they were just talking about this and then the damage it made to the city. The city was actually damaged by that, you know, because when you know, people reject the gospel, it's kind of like not good. God doesn't like that. <laughs> and so <laughs> I'm just saying, but, I walked down to exit the museum and I'm a soul winner. I don't need the Holy Ghost to tell me, go to that person. I just go to people because it says in Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You don't need God to tell you to talk to somebody. He'd already told you to talk to everybody. Just FYI. And so I walk up to this, like I literally, I'm like almost to the door. I turn around and I walk up to this lady and I knew she spoke English because we bought the tickets, you know. And I ask her, has anyone ever told you that God loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life? And she said no. And interestingly enough, right before we went to the prison, like on the way to the prison, there was like an Asian church group, like with the robe and everything, doing like a religious service out there that was, you know, dead, like you know, you know the anointing you recognize when there is an anointing and there wasn't. And that's not being judgmental or anything. But they think there's something special if you stand like in a leftover church, you know, and that there's something special. That's, that's you know, that's sacrilegious. That's idolatry. That's, there is no special anointing there. You know, the anointing is a revelation on the inside of you. You know, which you can get going to some of these places. You know, I'm not saying like never go there. It's not going to do anything for you. You know, it can. Let me tell you. Now, one of our pastors, Pastor Alan Haas, he was a mess when he went to Israel. And he loves the Old Testament and all of that stuff. You know, he was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Like the whole time. So, you know, it's definitely amazing. Like it gives you a new perspective on things. But anyway, so I'm thinking like hundreds of thousands, possibly millions. This is Greece. It's a tourist area. Specifically a Christian site. This is like, again, the beginning of Christianity in Europe. You know, church groups go there. Schools go there. You know, students, field trips. You know, there's Christians. Christians going through every single day. And I do not know how long that woman was working there. But the fact that not one person ever opened their mouth and told her, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. That made me really mad at that point. And I really just held myself back to not shout at this point. So I was like, for a second, I was like, what? Okay, so if you were to die this very second, do you know for sure, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you will go to heaven. And she said, no. 
And so I shared the gospel with her and I prayed with her and she received Christ into her heart. And then, and I'm telling you, I'm just going right back when that happened. She looked at me and she said, but how do I know that God is always with me? And I said, lady, do you know where you are? Like, do you know what happened? Like right outside. Have you heard about Paul and Silas? Like you work here, like, you know, you, you know, you know what, what, what happened here. Do you know that Paul and Silas were in that prison right there 2000 years ago? And when they were in the deepest, darkest, most hopeless time of their life, God was with them. And because they worshiped him and believed in him, he shook the earth for them, which is written on that wall over there that the earth really shook. And God did that for them because he loved them. And that same God, he loves you. And no matter what you need, he's going to be with you. And if he needs to shake the earth for you, he's going to shake the earth. And I was like, started to preach at this woman, you know? And I was like, man, like this God, is on the inside of you and he will never leave you you can believe him that's what his word says he will never leave you nor forsake you and she looks at me these big eyes and she's like really and i said yes really you know it's like i bless her and like my friends were waiting like outside of the museum so i walk out and this is something that it it changed my life you know there's moments in time where you hear the voice of god so clearly that it like gets to your bones and you will never be able to forget that let alone like recover from that or move on from it going for another word and another word and another word and you know i need another prophecy i need another this you know you need to learn to hear his voice so i walk out and I am mad. I'm so mad at Christianity and what has become of it. I'm so angry. I'm like, how is this possible? How's, how, really? Where they came and paid by physically being beaten to preach the gospel. Where there is now freedom and nobody's going to beat you to preach the gospel. And you're too afraid to preach it or too shy. Or you saying, oh, I'm not an evangelist. That's not my calling. Really? Then you're saying your calling is not to be like Christ then. Because he came to seek and save the lost. And he said, if you follow me, you will be a fisher of men. Not some of you will be fisher of men. And it says in Proverbs that he who wins souls is wise. So somebody's telling me I'm not called to win souls. You're telling me you're called to be stupid then. You're legit. I mean, how spiritual can people get and be so dumb that they realize they don't even know the word? They're not reading this. They don't, they don't see. They have eyes and they don't see. They have a heart that's beating in their chest, but it's dead. And I'm telling you, I love people. <laughs> you know, and I like, I had to recover from this. I'm like, Lord, like you need to like really restore my love for the church is the Western church in general. The church that lives in freedom. That right now is giving it up on a silver platter. And then you see the price that was paid so that we could have Christ. That we could have church. And, you know, I'm, I'm raging on the inside and I'm like, Lord, like, what is wrong with Christians? Telling you all the spiritual nonsense. Oh, I'm called to be a prayer warrior. I'm called to be an intercessor. Great. Arrive in heaven empty handed with your family going to hell in the meantime. 
They won't get saved through prayer. Nobody gets saved through prayer. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And it needs to be preached. It doesn't say pray the gospel. That's a new one. I never said that before, but it's true. And so then I'm walking. And to get out, you have to like walk past the prison, you know. So I'm like, I'm walking. I'm looking at the scene and I'm like, how in the world did I even get here? Like, I never thought I would preach. I never thought I could do anything that is great, that would glorify the Lord. I'm like, I'm going to do my little ministry of helps and I'm going to do it the best way I possibly can because that's all I'm ever going to do for the Lord because I will just fail. I will try to do stuff and I'll just fail. I can speak in front of people. I was not a preacher. You know, Pastor Don, you remember me from Bible school. It's the truth. I was shy. I didn't talk to people. I was afraid of the microphone. I was afraid of people looking at me, thinking, you know, oh, she has a weird nose. My ear's probably sticking out. Yeah, there it is. It's that stuff that I'm telling you that is literally holding people back from stepping into their full potential. Afraid. And then I'm, I'm in Greece, preaching, training people to win souls where the apostles were walking and preaching that same Christ. And like, I'm walking there down that street and I hear the voice of the Lord like as clear as day, like on the inside of me. It wasn't like an audible voice, but it was so clear. And he said to me, Paul and Silas just saw what you did and what they started, you're continuing. And it hit me. And then he gave me Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. And these people that have walked before us and paid a price to have church. Yes, to go into a building and have church and not hide in people's homes. We're like, oh, in the, you know, in the book of Acts, it was all home groups. Yeah, because they were all dying for being Christians. They couldn't have a building until 300 years later. 300 years in 303, under Constantine the Great, Christianity was legalized for the first time. And now people are like, oh, it's a risk to go to church. It was always a risk to go to church. That's how the church was born. It was born in the fire on the day of Pentecost, where it was an all or nothing church. It has always been an all or nothing church. And the real church will always be an all or nothing church. And that is the question. Are you willing all or nothing, all or nothing, to the point of no return, where nothing in this world means anything to you, literally nothing. And that's where I went in my heart already, before I ever went, everywhere I went. And I know Pastor Dom asked me this on the broadcast, and I'm, I knew this is what was going to happen, and I wouldn't be able to share anything. But the fire of God is here in this place. When I came to the river and I was 19 and I never heard of the fire, I heard about healing and all of those things. 
but there is Holy Ghost and fire. And there's a baptism. There's not just a touch. There's not just like this, this feeling that you get. It's one of those things you don't play around with that you need to count the cost. It means to lay down everything. It means to die to everything. And it's so clear to me now that, you know, you have to get desperate first. You have to get to that point first on the inside of you. You don't just hear somebody preach and then like, okay, Lord, I want that now. That's where I was. I was like months at the church and I was observing like how Pastor Rodney would walk around and then pick people. Bring me this one. Fire of God is on you. Bring me this one. Hand of God is on you. And I'm in my German analyzing head. What are these people doing? No, the Bible says many are called, few are chosen. They must just be chosen. <laughs> that was legit what I was thinking. And I'm telling you, the enemy will use scripture and twist it. Because that's not what that scripture means. That, you know, God just chooses some people and you can't do anything about it. And you make that choice. You decide how far you're going to go. You decide if you want to be chosen, if you want to make that sacrifice, if you want to lay down everything. Because there are things you can do as a normal believer that you will get away with, but not if you want to run with that fire. Not if you want God to use you to the highest extent. Not if you want the holy high calling. You can have a good Christian life or you can have the high and holy calling. And I don't know about you, but good Christian life is not going to cut it. Jesus didn't just live a good Christian life. He went all the way and over and beyond. And I made a decision in my heart. I said, Lord, I will go wherever, wherever. And I started to pray that. And then at the same time, I'm like caught up with my mind. Like, how do these people get it? And why am I not getting it? And something is wrong with me. And I'm not doing something or I'm not good enough or I'm not ready. And then the enemy comes in just with all the lies Everything that doesn't build faith in you is of the devil. And I rebuke that right now in the name of Jesus. The word is like a hammer that comes in and breaks everything that is not supposed to be there. Everything that is a hindrance. Every mindset, every opinion, pride, whatever it is. The word of God is working even right now. Breaking things on the inside. And so I'm sitting, thinking about all these lies of the devil for 15 meetings. And then I'm praying these stupid prayers. God, make the pastor pick me. God, make the, make the pastor pick me. Because if he calls me out, then I will know. If he calls me out, then I know. I could, I could maybe be one of the chosen. But I don't, I don't want to be prideful. I don't want to be prideful and think I could be chosen because I don't want to have pride. I want to be humble before God, you know, and all this stupid nonsense, you know, going through the head for 16 meetings. And I was never picked and I was never called out any one of these meetings. And I'm getting like frustrated and I'm sitting there. And then on the last meeting, I'm supposed to be an usher and I'm supposed to serve and not just like fall out on the power doing nothing. You know, I'm telling you, I'll pray for the ushers last, but you know, last shall be first. Don't worry. I'm sitting in my chair right on the side behind Pastor Eric in the second row on the outside and I'm doing the strap. I don't know if you ever seen the strap, you know, is there so crazy people don't run up front trying to kill our pastor and stuff like that or, you know, flakes, whatever. And so when you sit there at the edge of your seat, always ready to open that strap in case Pastor Eric has to go and get 
something or Pastor Jennifer took care of her baby. She had a baby at the time, you know. And so I'm like, my eyes wide open. You can't close your eyes. You can't press in. You're serving. And like, pastor's preaching this message. You have to get hungry and you have to get thirsty. And I can't get hungry for you and I can't get thirsty for you. And if you don't get a touch from God, it's because you're not hungry enough and you're not thirsty enough. And nobody has to come and touch you and lay hands on you. You can get that fire right there in your seat wherever you are. And he was like crying out to the Lord. You know, that message gets me every time. Where he's like, Lord, if you don't come down, touch me, I'll come up, touch you. I want your fire, you know. And then he's like, Shh. and I'm sitting there with my eyes open because I'm serving. And at the same time, I'm crying out on the inside, which I cried out already for weeks. But I didn't know if I could have it. I was still figuring out if I could even have that. Am I good enough to have that? Am I worthy to have that? Am I ready to have that? Because God, when you give it to me, I want to honor it. And I don't want to trample on it. And I don't want to disappoint. And I don't want to go back. And I don't want to draw back. Because the Bible says when you put your hand to the plow and you draw back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. And you have to sort your heart out. You have to know, are you willing to lay down everything? And I said to the Lord, I will. I will lay it all down. I don't care. I know this is real. And I know whatever God put on the inside of me is too big for me. It was big and it was intimidating. And that is called godly fear. A reverential fear. The only fear you should have is that you do what's not pleasing to the Lord. When your heart is right, you wouldn't even want to do that. And I'm crying out. And I said, you know, like I, I prayed a different prayer on that day. It was the last meeting. And I'm like, Lord, I am not leaving here the same way. Not tonight. No matter what. I am not. I know I came here and you brought me to this church because most churches don't even talk about the fire. Because they're afraid of it. Because it exposes. It burns. It will make you go out. It will make you open your mouth. There is a price to pay for that. Salvation is free, but that fire is not for free. It will kill you. That is what it's supposed to do. Completely dead to yourself. I'm telling you, some people think they're dead to their flesh and everything. They got on the altar and then they're crawling off the altar, going back to old things, going back to whatever it is. You know, always going around the same mountain. That's because you haven't fully died. You, you put yourself on that altar. But let me tell you, if your little pinky finger is still twitching, you have more dying to do. And the Apostle Paul said, I die daily. But when that initial thing happens, you will never be the same after that. I was never the same after that. Thank God. And I, I prayed and I said, God... I don't care if that pastor ever sees me. I don't care if anybody ever sees me. I don't care if anybody remembers me. If I go through all three-year Bible school and I go wherever to the ends of the world and nobody even remembers I was ever at River University, I do not care. And I, you know, and I said, you know, listen, you need to come to that point where you don't pray stupid prayers that are full of doubt and unbelief, but you actually believe the word. Why would God not want to give you that fire? That wouldn't serve him. That wouldn't serve you. He needs us to be on fire right now. He wants the church to rise up. 
He wants you to rise up and fulfill your calling. He wants to go with you and work with you and through you and through your hands and through your mouth. That's what he says in his word. So why would we ever doubt? Is that truly for me? Is that truly for now? It is truly for yesterday already. It is truly like already way overdue. And so I'm sitting there and praying. I said, God, I don't care anymore. I don't care. I don't care if anybody touches me. I don't care if anybody prays for me. I don't care if anybody knows my name. I literally prayed that. I don't care. And I said, I, I know you see me. And you know I'm hungry. And you know I'm thirsty. Because I did leave. I left everything. I left my home. I left my family. I left all the open doors to go to university and do whatever education. I left every all the expectations on my family. They all wanted me to do all these big things. I left it all. And I said, God, I want none of it. I don't care about having a house and a car and a husband and children and a dog and a white picket fence. I said, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. I said, right now, I know you see me and I know what else can I do to show you that I am hungry and I am thirsty and I am serious about this and I'm not messing around and I do love you and I do want to go and tell people. And I'm doing this with my eyes open, crying, looking at the strap, serving. Doesn't matter what is going on around you. And some are still waiting and not pressing in. And it's time. Fire is holy. And living a holy life is not always the most easy route to take. And many people don't understand it. I thank you, Father, that right now every lie of the enemy is broken. Every attempt of the enemy is broken. Whatever situation you're going back into that may have not changed in the natural, and I feel this in my spirit right now, you will not respond the same way anymore. It will not get to you. It will not bring you down. But you will rise up in your spirit and you will say no. And you will not be angry and you will not raise your voice. But with love, you will respond and diffuse every attempt of the enemy to bring you back into your old habits. Because that is done from this day. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost on every single one of you.